Hey guys, welcome to Planet Spook. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Ethan. And we are two best friends that are here to cover all things morbid, mystical, and monstrous. We love horror, paranormal, and true crime. We sure do. So if it goes bump in the night, we want to talk about it. Um, Today, we are going to be continuing our serial killer series. In which the first episode that was out last week was about the movie Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. We went super in-depth on it. If you want to hear more about it, you got to circle back to episode one. But today, we're going to go into the events that the movie was based off of. Um, We're going to talk about Otis Toole and Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, so basically we're going to be doing three episode series uh, throughout the podcast. Each series will have a theme. This series is themed on serial killers. The first episode, we covered a fictional story. The second episode is a nonfiction story. So today we're getting into the real life killers. And then for our third episode, we're each going to share a story. And then the other person has to guess if it's fact or fiction. Still relating to the theme of the series. It's all serial killers. In yes. this case. <laughs> cool, dude. Yes. So um, before we get into that, though, there are some new horror releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're finally getting new movies. The pandemic is hopefully in our rearview mirror for the most part. Hopefully. Mostly, yeah. Um, but cinemas are <laughs> reopening and that means new horror. Exciting. And in like the right environment in the movie theater, you know, like I think that's the best time to see a horror movie is when you're surrounded by everybody and you all are on like the same page and like mm-hmm. all experiencing at the same time and like it's dark it's a huge screen the, the noises are excellent like yeah. we're a quiet place too i didn't see that but you did and i feel like that's probably the perfect one for movie theaters and i think that's actually how they're advertising it too really <laughs> this is not an ad <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i did actually see a quiet place too um i feel like i've been seeing the trailer for that for like two years now um so i was finally able to watch it um you said you didn't see it no i didn't i don't even really remember the first one really okay keep me up on it the first one was good it's about i guess it's like uh so the world ended basically and then it's this family they live on a farm and then they are living in fear of these monsters that are attracted to sound Okay. And so they have to be really quiet. So the whole movie... And that in and of itself is a very kind of novel concept. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's what made the first one so unique, is Mm -hmm. that it was not, like, super loud and bombastic. It was really, like, quiet. Oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) I know, crazy, right? A quiet place was quiet? Yeah. Um, The second one, honestly, just feels like more of the same... But what ha- what how did the first one end? Um, Is this the movie where they ended like behind the waterfalls? Yeah, there was there was a water there was a waterfall okay. scene where they went to like scream because that was the only place that okay. they could do so without being heard. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I in my mind I'm mixing up a quiet place and bird box. They're kind oh, of yeah. similar, but yeah. one's audio and one's visual, you know? Yeah. They are very so, similar. Yeah. They're very similar. So um, the spoiler alert for a Quiet Place. Uh, the first one ended like the dad, um, John Krasinski. He cutie. sacrifices himself. He is a cutie. Um, so he sacrifices himself to save his kids, 
And the second one picks up basically right where that leaves, where his family is Mm. reeling from his death and, like, needs to fend for themselves. Okay. I like sequels that are like that, that continue where the first one left off rather than, like, years later and here's more about that. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I want more of the story. So maybe I will watch this after all. Yeah. It's it's a continuation, like, directly from the first one, but the kids Mm -hmm. age, like, two or three years because oh. the actors are older. Oh, <laughs> but, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah, but um, no, I mean, I I personally didn't love it. I just felt like it was kind of like more of the same and not not in a way that like really justified its existence in a way. Um, like but, the first one was a hit, so they're like, I'm going to cash in on this. Yeah, but I could just um, be like grumpy about it because my boyfriend loved it. He gave it a 10 out of 10. And you just have to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep it spicy. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so, that was The Quiet okay. Place 2. I'm gonna give it maybe like a 5 out of 10. Oh. Um, but you saw, what did you see recently? Spiral, which oh. I was so excited about because I think I mentioned last episode that Saw is one of my favorite horror series. If I didn't, I'm saying it again. Saw, <laughs> the whole series is like awesome i love it i was like born and raised on that i saw every single one in the theaters including spiral right now and even though it doesn't really directly involve the true jigsaw john i forgot his last name some fan i am um (laughs) it is still very saw like (laughs) and it produced just the same although i will say i feel like the gore and the events that happened within it, the things that made Saw Saw were a little more Hollywood this time around. I don't know how to describe it more. Like, maybe I just really liked the realness of Henry Portrait of a serial killer, so I was, like, wanting more realness, but I don't know. I felt like this one was kind of toned down a lot. It wasn't as gruesome and gory as it, as the other ones were. Or maybe I just have this nostalgic feeling about the, all the other ones, mm-hmm. and they hold a special place in my heart. So this one, I want it to be like that, and it wasn't quite like that. It was still very good, and I liked it, and like all the twists and turns and all that in the end. I was like, ooh, oh my god. But yeah, and it was interesting <laughs> that it was Chris Rock, too. I wasn't expecting him to have like a serious... Um, pl- uh, What's that called? Role? There we go. Not a play. A role. But I think he did really, really good. And I think it did fit in with the rest of the saga pretty well. I liked it. I think I think I agree with you. It definitely fit with the series, and I was very curious to see where they would go with it because it was just interesting that they're giving it a different title. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was like, how's this gonna tie in? But I thought it tied in very well. Yeah, I wasn't even sure that they would even have the the traps and the gore i wasn't <gasps> sure if maybe that was going to be cuz that you don't really see movies like that anymore like yeah. gore was like really amped up in like the mid 2000s yeah like, when this when they first started coming out mm-hmm. yeah and then since then now horror i feel like is in a place where it's more like psychological or like yeah art-y. more psychological yeah yeah fantasy yes exactly and i feel like that's kind of how spiral went it wasn't like true true to its roots as the mm-hmm. rest of the saw movies but mm-hmm. at the same time i also feel like they finished those very well with the final saw and then with jigsaw wrapping up that whole storyline mm-hmm. i think i'm okay that they had a different view for spiral you know, it yeah. kept it a little bit more fresh. Yeah, it did feel more fresh. Um, I thought the the opening scene was, like, 
awesome. I love the whole first act of that mm. movie. Um, I thought it was super gnarly. Uh, the first trap that we got with the guy in the in the subway, yeah, trail alley. And I think because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen a movie, uh, a modern movie, um, they're like so abrupt and like. Pfft. That was that level. Splash. Yeah, that was yeah. that level of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first movie that I saw in the theater since they reopened. Oh. So, yeah. So, like, something about that experience was, like, it felt very abrasive mm. and badass. Super I, jarring. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of started, it kind of, like, lost steam towards the end of the movie. Yeah, that's how I um, feel. Like, the scenes and the traps that were happening weren't as like impactful as that first one like Mm -hmm. spoiler alert when the chief she gets trapped and then like it's the hot wax pouring Mm -hmm. on her face Mm -hmm. why did they have to have that like white sheet or that whatever covering her face Mm -hmm. i felt like it hid a bunch of like the gore that me as a soft fan wanted to see yeah you wanted to see the skin melting yes but i brought it up to my husband and he's like maybe that's how it is in waxing maybe they have to have that that sheet on there to like hold the wax in place and that's more torturous than it just like rolling off of her you know oh, yeah. it was just like mm-hmm. made to stick to her face you know oh. which that goes into the psychological thing that you're saying you know the movies mm-hmm. these days are more psychological like oh that must burn so much more versus the, us the viewers get to see it rolling off of her face but is that the most torturous that it can be yeah. Versus if it's like puddled yeah. on her face, so I was like, hmm. Yeah, that was. And since we're getting the spoilers with so- or a spiral, um, the killer guy, like no. the one. No. What do you mean? He no. What? Did, he, there was nothing menacing about him. He was like to go from an iconic. Uh, the, the guy's name. The iconic killer was John Kramer from the first. Okay, Kramer. Yes, I was right. wanting to say Krasinski because oh. we were just talking about <laughs> Quiet Place. And I was like, it's not that, but I think it's a <laughs> from the office to fucking death traps. Yeah, yeah, um, he's iconic. Yeah, so he was re- he, he he's an incredible actor, and it was just a really memorable and unique kind of killer. Mm-hmm. And with this one. I just felt like, what was the, was it Spiral? Was that the person's name? Like Jigsaw? It didn't, like, I don't know if it really came out, but that was like the symbolism that was showing up on the crime scenes when they would see the new video that got delivered or heard the new recording that got delivered. Yeah. They'd go to that scene like, I, I recognize that place. It's the courthouse. And they'd go and there would be this spiral painted. Some clip art looking ass. <laughs> it was very geometrical. Microsoft <laughs> <Yes>. paint <laughs> ass. Yeah. So I don't know if they had like a name, but that was... It, but I thought that still went in because the jigsaw doll's eyes were spirals. Well, you know? yeah, like it matched, but yeah, the fact that each spiral was just like perfectly symmetrically spray painted was just like, what is going on here? That made it a spiral, <laughs> not a squiggly. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not called the, Squiggle. <laughs> yeah, the new killer's name is Mr. Squiggles. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't convinced by him. Like when he when he like said his piece at the end, I was just like, well. I don't know. You don't. You, he wasn't coming off as particularly intimidating or scary, so I feel like that's kind of when the movie kind of lost. In me. the whole movie, or just like right there in the end. In the end, like I well, and it was very obvious, like when he died off screen, quote unquote, died off screen. In the I don't think of he did die. Wait, that, who? The, I'm talking about the uh, the cop, the sidekick who ends up being the killer. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't um, die. He escapes. Right. So, but it's, the movie makes it look like he dies. He he was oh, a victim of I didn't Jigsaw. get that. 
And so I was like, well, the fact that he's such a major player or a major character and they didn't, they kind of like very quickly gloss over his death to me made it feel like, okay, well, he's obviously not dead then. And if he's not dead, then that means that he's going to come back for a quote unquote surprise. Mm. Oh, rewinding. You're talking about like when Chris Rock opened up the, the gift and it had like the guy's tattoo in the box. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought you were talking yeah. about the end of the movie. I was like, no, he doesn't die. What are you talking oh, no, about? No, 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 oh, no, no. okay. Yeah. So like it was, the movie tried to make you think like, oh, oh no, he yeah, got that, caught. Oh, that went over my head. I was like, oh dang, he did get killed. Oh, <laughs> what? But. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's fine. No, honestly, it got I'm, glad, me. I'm glad you as a true Saw fan enjoyed it because mm-hmm. I feel like that's who the movie was for. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like if anyone was supposed to enjoy Spiral, it should be the hardcore Lindsay Saw fans. only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they made the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, another movie that I did like that I think you were not very crazy about was Conjuring 3. Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, yeah. I watched that last night. I mean, I did fall asleep a few times because we started it very (laughs) late. But I definitely want to go back and watch all of it because the parts that I did see, I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? It was different than the first one and second one, though. It was definitely more... Artsy. Yes, yes. It was was not... It was not in the same style as Conjuring 1 and 2. And I would have appreciated that. I feel like Conjuring 3, it does tie back to the other ones because it's about Ed and Lorraine Warren, but Mm. the style is much, much different than 1 and 2. 2 was a great sequel Mm -hmm. to number 1. But then wrapping it into the whole Conjuring sagas, Annabelle was also very Hollywood. It was kind of like old school filmed. The Nun was also kind of Hollywood style as well. You know? So... Conjuring 3 does have, like, its place with Annabelle and the Nun, as well as the Conjuring 1 and 2, but I feel like because it was Conjuring 3, I wish it would have followed Conjuring 1 and 2 in the style a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I see see what you're saying. I think... um... I think that the most recent Conjuring Universe films, um, Yarona, The Nun, Annabelle uh, Comes Home... I didn't, I didn't see that one. I only saw the first Annabelle. Okay, the second one's actually really good. Um, but those those more recent Conjuring films do feel very, like, McDonald's of horror. Kind of, like, very processed. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. Kind of just, like... All, like, the, the, the aesthetic is really cool. Uh-huh. But it feels like a veneer, almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably sounding really cynical today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, mean, you're a real horror critic, so but, can't love them all. I mean, yeah. So I just, I felt like it was kind of, I honestly fell asleep. I fell asleep mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And you're the third person that I know that fell asleep watching that movie. If my husband did not want to watch wrestling before, I would have started it <laughs> earlier and I would have stayed awake. But me starting a movie at 1030... Already, I'm signing up to take a nap during it, no matter what movie it is. That's just how I am. (laughs) So I'm going to watch it again, fully alert, fully awake, and I'm going to appreciate it because I think it did have a good storyline. Okay, And I was like, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. So so I fell asleep when I watched it the first time. I put it back on to finish it, and I honestly didn't finish it. (gasps) I turned it off, yeah. So you don't even know how how it ended? Yeah, I saw. I've seen uh, enough. 
I've seen well, enough. I got where, to the third act and I was like, okay, this is like. Okay, I don't know how to describe what an act is in a movie. What's the last thing you <laughs> saw? <laughs> um, I don't know. Shit just starts flying around the room and it's like. That was in scene just, one. <laughs> in the opener. It's very, like, formulaic, like, the power of Christ compels you, like, exercising mm-hmm. the demon type of vibe that it's just, like, in 2021, I feel like there's more interesting things that could be going on in a horror movie. Um, okay. But, and I think here's my main thing, is that the uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren were, like, really the main characters of this film. And I... I'm not that interested in them. Well, maybe if you watch till the end, you would see how that all wraps in. I've heard how it ends. Ugh. And it's... I just am not a fan of their... Uh, the way that the movie portrays them to make... It makes them out to be such, like... Romanticized? Yeah, like, romanticized, like, holier-than-thou kind of characters when, mm. in reality, they were, like, actual con people. That. What? Yeah, you Ooh, don't know like they're true. Let's talk about them another time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can. We can do like a whole episode because they have a very interesting um, and prolific career. Um, Ooh. But they're actual grifters. But um, yeah, to to bring it back to what we're actually supposed to be talking about today, which is the real life Tangent. serial killers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so when we reviewed Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, neither one of us knew that it was based on <laughs> yeah real people. Um, so that was interesting uh... to learn uh, the power of the internet. But so I researched a bit on Henry. Henry Lee Lucas, he is a real-life serial killer that inspired the monster in the film. Mm-hmm. And then you... I you, researched Otis. Otis. In the movie, his name's Otis, but in real life, his name is Otis. Otis. Otis Tool. Otis Tool. Okay, so these two people were um, friends, fuck buddies, and murdering partners. Yeah. Partners in crime all around. Partners in crime, partners in the bedroom. Yeah. They both had very, very similar upbringings. Like, Otis was mostly raised by a single mom after his father deserted them, which is like me. It was known that his dad was an alcoholic and that before his dad abandoned them, he would actually force Tool to have sex with his friends, even at the young age of five. What a sicko mode. Yeah. Sicko mode. But even though he was raised by his single mother, Tool's mom was not much better. And she was also pretty cruel to him. Um, I think due to the history of the father abandoning them, she turned to religion for comfort. And she was a Christian extremist. And so later on in life, Tool ends up um, coming out as homosexual. He says he knew by the age of 10. And his mom would often dress Tool in girls' clothes and call him Becky. Not to be confused with the other Becky in the story, but um, I think it was like a way of manipulating him or like teasing him, making fun of him. And because she was so extreme Christian views, she can't have a gay son. So she must have a daughter if he likes men. You know, I think it was something like that. And that's interesting too because Henry, according according to the um, my extensive research on Wikipedia, expert um, Henry claimed that his mother uh, would also make him cross dress um, in public 
and I guess she would also because his mom was a prostitute and so she would also force Henry into um, sex work as well sell him yeah, off yeah if mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken um, yeah they did have like so 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 similar upbringings that it's like weird it was like written in the stars for them to come together yeah and so it was so bad that i guess uh henry's mom would make him go to school dressed as a girl and then apparently a court order was uh put in place so that he wouldn't be forced to do that anymore oh my gosh um yeah so then also his dad was also alcoholic just like Mm -hmm. otis um he died of hypothermia after he uh got drunk one night and just like passed out in the oh yeah yeah died um so he had a really traumatizing upbringing and it kind of culminated in his first murder when he strangled another teenager he was uh a high school dropout at this time um Mm. and he he confessed to this murder and then he later uh retracted it which i guess was was something that he would do a lot yeah theme theme of both of them yeah Mm -hmm. so they were both kind of like pathological liars yeah liking the attention Mm -hmm. and they would admit to crimes that they didn't do and then they would like later say that they didn't do them after all and Mm -hmm. it was like this really confusing mess and it really I think boils down to them just kind of liking the attention like you said Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so Otis also had his first murder when he was a teenager he was only 14 and he was doing um, sex work as well and he had met up with this traveling salesman and they went into the woods and then like when it got time to do the deed Otis got nervous I don't know why he's nervous this one time but he ended up running (laughs) the man down with his own car and then he just like left him be at the age 14 wow taking names Dang. Little, little overachiever over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Henry, a uh, few years after Henry uh, confesses to the uh, murder of the teen girl, he kills his mother, which is a plot point in the actual film, right? Did Henry really kill his mama? Yeah, so apparently he got into an argument, the argument escalated, and then uh, she hit him with a broom, so he stabbed her in the neck. Fitting rebuttal. Yeah, right. So um, this is a quote from Henry. He said, all I remember was slapping her alongside the neck. But after I did that, I saw her fall and decided to grab her. But she fell on the floor. And when I went back to pick her up, I realized she was dead. Then I noticed that I had my knife in my hand and that she had been cut. (laughs) Which... The knife's just always in his hand, I guess, so he forgot about it in yeah. that moment. It was like, oh, whoopsie. And by slapping, I mean stabbing <laughs> in the neck. Yeah. Same thing, heck? right? <clears throat> Gosh. Um, so, so yeah. So, apparently, whether, like, that happened that way, I don't really know. But he did, he did admit to killing his mother, which, mm-hmm. um, like I said, was a plot point in the film. Um, and also, when that was brought up in the movie, he... What did he say? He said that he, like, stabbed her, and then later he said he shot her. He shot her, her yeah. Right? Yeah, he was already 
flip-flop in his words, and that was also, like, reflective of how they are in real life. Yeah, and it was crazy, too, because both of you and I, like, not knowing that these were real people, we were confused by that when we watched the movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We were like, like, why did his story change? And yeah. the movie doesn't really elaborate on it. Yeah, the movie does not go into all about the confessions and all that stuff at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, at so all. you're not, unless you kind of were familiar with Henry Lee Lucas, the person, and his, um, uh, whatever, like, uh, tendency to lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, allergic to the truth type of guy. Um, you wouldn't know that or you wouldn't you wouldn't quite understand like why he, his story was flip flopping, but I guess that was really like how he was. Yeah, yeah. So when did these two meet? They met in 1976 in a Jacksonville soup kitchen, which that was also kind of interesting to me that Otis was like born and raised and his home base was Jacksonville because me and my husband and a couple cousins went to Jacksonville recently and I was like, ooh, I know this area. Like, where did they live? Is that in the Airbnb we stayed at? It was not. (laughs) (laughs) It was not. But it was cool to just make those connections. I like learning new things about places that I've been before because it's just like, I don't know, it adds to the lore of it, you know? But yeah, so as soon as they met, they basically just started a sexual relationship right off the bat. And Henry even moved into the house that Otis lived in, which was already really full. It had Otis's mom, the mom's husband, Otis's wife, Novella. I'll get into that in a moment. Otis's niece and nephew, niece and nephew, (laughs) Frank and Frida, which is the one that they call Becky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. Otis, yes, was actually married at the time that he met Henry. He met this 25-year-old, his senior sex worker woman, and they just got married right off the bat. And Otis had later come out saying that he just married this woman to kind of mask his sexuality. Even though his whole family knew he was out, he was gay, he just did it to kind of helped the situation, but it did not really help the situation. When the wife found out that Otis was gay, she was like, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this anymore. So they ended the marriage, but she didn't really move out. She was still kind of in the picture Mm -hmm. and just kind of, yeah, she was just still in the picture. It wasn't like a clean separation out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Henry was actually also married. Um, before he met Otis, um, he was his, his first uh, sentencing to prison was a five-year prison sentence for uh, attempting to kidnap three schoolgirls. Um, three? Yeah, I know. Um, he was also an overachiever. Yeah. And <laughs> apparently a family friend wrote to him in prison and they started a relationship and they were married when he was released in 1975. Um, it was a short-lived mm. marriage, though. That woman had a stepdaughter who accused Henry of sexually abusing her. Um, and that's when Henry left the relationship. It's like, deuces, I'm out. Yeah, like, you're you're accusing me of something that I'm doing, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, he for, for sure was probably doing that. Horrible Ugh. person. So, from yeah. there is when, I guess, he goes to Jacksonville, Florida, and that's kind of where he links up with Otis. Oh. So. I didn't know that he was married before, either. Yeah, isn't it interesting that these two dudes are, like, super gnarly and disgusting, and yet they both found love? Who was Henry's first wife? Was she a sex worker, too? 
No, it was the fam- I guess a family friend that oh, and they oh. reconnected when he was in prison. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he moves in with <laughs> yeah, right. He moves <laughs> in with uh, Otis's. Who is it? Otis's His whole family. Yeah. Yeah, Otis's parents. And becomes friends with Becky, which is Otis's niece, and she's the third character that's in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which, in real life, Becky was much, much younger than how she's portrayed in the movie. In the movie, she's portrayed as this older, I don't know, what would you say? She's like early 20s woman. Yeah. Who's like married at to least, four and has a kid. At least 18. At least 18. Yeah. But in real life, Becky was only 11. Really? When Henry met her. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. Sicko mode still. Yeah, I don't know what age he would have been at that time, but I mean, he's already been married. He's already been to prison. Yeah, and he was already much more older than Otis, mm-hmm. you know? Gross. So they live together. Um, I guess he starts working as like a roofer Mm -hmm. and they kind of have like a a small sense of normalcy, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, where um, the film kind of introduces the characters. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it seems it seems at first like they kind of have like an okay chemistry, the three of them living together. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like an odd pairing. But I don't think the movie really discusses the fact that Henry and Otis have a a sexual history at all? Yeah, no, that wasn't in the movie at all, except for they do hint at Otis having homosexual tendencies yeah. and mm-hmm. also, like, mm-hmm. I guess, pedophilia tendencies when he was, like, selling drugs to that the teenage boy, yeah. the high schooler boy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and making, like, those advances at him. But it doesn't really show him and Henry having that type of relationship. Right. So... Uh, around this time, Henry convinces Becky to run away with him, and so the two start hitchhiking. Um, they are picked up by a religious cult called the House of Prayer. Um, at the time, Becky was only 15 years old, um, but they believe that Henry and Becky were married at the time. And Henry, um, for being as crazy as he was, he was able to kind of have a charming kind of uh, friendly... Yeah, like typical serial killer sociopath. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind, kind of like a... Just like a normal kind of small town, kind of simple guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, they get into a fight and Becky uh, leaves. This was already after, though, that him and Otis had been traveling the nation, killing people left and right. Yeah, when does that happen? Doing their crime. That happened, like, right after they met. Okay, so let's pick up that. Yeah, okay. Um, After Henry and Otis met, together they went across 26 states with them committing robbery, assault, rape, murder, arson, necrophilia, and many other crimes under the sun. Um, Becky and... What? I read that Otis had some sort of sexual uh, preclusion for... Fires? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was also an arsonist and would get sexually aroused by fires. Um, A lot of his crimes were actually arson, setting fire to his mom's own house later on. The hell? How the fire was burning inside of him. Ooh, yeah, literally and (laughs) physically. Yeah, yeah, not physically. He did not set fire to himself. (laughs) Or did he? I don't Uh, know. Freaky guy. (laughs) 
So do we know exactly how many crimes were legitimate that they did? Because since they had so many stories. Of, like, <laughs> no, confess to like over 600 crimes. It's yeah. like, what in the world? <laughs> no, even to this day, we still don't know how many was truly due to them. Um, due in part to how they were committing the crimes and also due in part to how they were confessing them. They were just confessing to any and every type of crime possible, which we'll get into more of that later. But when they were going across the nation committing all their crimes, um, this is a quote from Henry. He says, I killed them every way there is except poison. There's been strangulations. There's been knifings. There's been shootings. There's been hit and runs. And in like in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Henry told about how he would commit the crimes without being caught. He would, or he would told, oh, I messed up. He would teach Otis about how to commit the crimes without being caught. Quote, he was doing his crimes all in one way. I started to correct him in ways and doing the crime where he wouldn't leave information. And that does like circle back to the film where Henry does tell Otis, like you could do it this way. You could do it that way. But if you do it all the same, that turns into your fingerprint or whatever he had said in the car after they did that first murder. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a good thing that they brought up in the film. And then also the victims ranged in every way possible. The, the gender, ages, race, and class was all different amongst all of their victims. So that also like was really hard for authorities to tie any crimes together. There wasn't really like one motive that they could like, oh, this happened here and this happened here. And there's these similarities. It was just everywhere. And amongst like the whole nation, you couldn't mm-hmm. really connect the dots per se right especially because it's in like when you're crossing straight lines that's like different jurisdictions and different like police bureaus looking at these crimes which are super prideful on their own jurisdictions like they don't want to be sharing information because they want it to be themselves that come up with that and I feel like that is really hindering justice yeah yeah so how long did they how long were they like going around killing people um, well, so they met in 1976, and I think it was around 1981 or 82 that they kind of fizzled out because of the whole Becky thing. When Henry left with Becky, ran away with her. Otis right. got really, really mad. He felt alone, betrayed, and he was just in like a fit of rage after his lover left with his niece. You know, like, mm-hmm. I would be upset too, okay? Yeah. But... Yeah, that was then, but then Otis continued killing people after that, and I think Henry also continued his his own crime spree after that as well. So, did Henry and Becky not kill Otis? No, no, they didn't. Oh, so that was made up. That was made up in the movie. Yeah, so that all that ending is also just fictionalized. Um, in real life, they go their own separate ways. Otis continues to commit crimes left and right. Um, he even, well, it's most likely true, but it's still not really proven. Mm-hmm. He says that he committed the crime of the murder of Adam Walsh, which, do you know who that is? Yes. Yeah. That's such a sad story. Yes. So, about that, um, Adam Walsh was a six-year-old boy that was at a Sears with his mother in Hollywood, Florida, on July 27th. 1981. His mother was just a few aisles away, and then when she turned around, Adam was gone. They couldn't find him. It launched this whole big child-searching, child-abduction movement, which is still very valid today, which 
has been influential in today and how authorities search for children and stuff like that. Mm. But um, two weeks later, Adam's severed head was found in a drainage canal, and that was the only part of him that was found. Later on, Otis comes out to confess when he was already behind bars for other crimes. He says that he did it. He talks about what he did. He cut off Adam's head and then burned the rest of it in true Otis fashion in a fire in the backyard of his mom's house. Mm-hmm. And there was no real evidence to truly, truly, truly link him to it. So he was never convicted for that. But in 2008, police announced definitely that Tool had killed Adam Walsh. And although they weren't specific about the evidence that linked him to the crime, they said that they had done an extensive review of the case, which only pointed to Otis Tool committing the murder. And so they closed it. Some people believe that's the truth and others don't. Yeah, because I read that they didn't, they claim to not use any new evidence to establish the new guilty uh, charge. Um, And they didn't have any DNA evidence that they were citing either. So there is a lot of speculation about like, well, what exactly made this a conclusive um, case? Yeah. So maybe there there's the implication that maybe the police were just shutting the case just to have it closed. Yes, which that's also kind of what they were doing with Henry and Otis's confessions all these years. Right. So I did read that there were over 200 cases that were closed as a result of Henry's confessions. Um, But we know uh, that Henry is not the most reliable person. So um, (laughs) I think that's actually really kind of sad in a way, because if these cases are closed based on a false confession, then not only is the real killer like Mm -hmm. getting away with it still out and about um but these families are given like a false sense of closure or even they know that it didn't really happen you know like that it wasn't really henry yeah like in that movie or the documentary on netflix confession killers Mm -hmm. it talks about how henry confessed to a murder and the family was listening to it and they're like there's no way that this happened like he talked about how he slipped in through the back door and the sliding glass door and then took her then and the family was like that didn't happen. There's been this giant dresser armoire in front of that door for many, many years. It's not like he opened the door and moved that. It was heavy. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. And the, the cops were like, no, he confessed. He did yeah, it. Because they probably just want to close it on there and be done More with it. More pride to their name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So um, Henry, he gets... Um, arrested eventually. He does hood rat things. Um, <laughs> I just want to do hood rat things even, with my friends. Yeah, even after he parts ways with Otis, he eventually gets incarcerated and then dies in prison at the age of 64 um, from congestive heart failure, which is too nice, Ooh. too nice of a death, in my mm. opinion. Um but that's kind of where his his story ends. Um, and then in of prison. Course, ends yeah. in prison. Ugh, dang. Yeah, and then he had the movie um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. It mm-hmm. came out in 1986. Um, he was portrayed by Michael Rooker. Um, 
And I don't know, like, I, I did see some interviews with the real life Henry, and he was very different from how Michael Rooker portrayed him. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they have kind of a very different vibe, and I think Michael Rooker's uh, portrayal is a lot more haunting, um, more stoic, more serious, more mysterious. Yeah. Um, and what I saw of Henry, uh, the real life person, was he was just very... It's kind of simple. I guess he uh, would be very friendly with um, police and investigators. Um, He became Mm -hmm. very close friends with a nun who would come and visit him. And they would do, like, crafts together. Um, They would, like, color and paint and stuff. He was living it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess he was painting. He said that he reconnected to Christ. Um, And so, yeah, he, uh, from what I could tell, kind of felt very comfortable living the life that he did in prison Mm -hmm. um, and seemed to feel like he was... Like he made it. Like, yeah, like he kind of did his his thing and then he kind of like was able to move on with his life in his own way. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, isn't... Doesn't make me feel great. Doesn't make me feel great. So if you had to like pick one of... Otis's most crazy confessions. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that he confessed to that is just like Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's behind it all. So, besides the Adam Walsh thing, because I know that that was like a really huge cold case, that was like up to the terms of like John Bonet Ramsey or like the Casey Anthony case. That was huge when it first came out. Um, one of the things that Otis talked about was that he and Henry became a part of this satanic cult called the Hand of Death. Mm. And they would go and kill these people and then have human sacrifice rituals in which they would then like eat the people that they just killed. And so I had found this um, interview that was posted in a, a Globe tabloid back in like 1996. Mm-hmm. I've got some quotes about it of the interview, and they're pretty nasty. So the interviewer, his name is Billy Bob, and he asks Otis, they tell me you eat young boys. Tool says, I've eaten my fair share. Bob's like, tell me about it. Tool cocks his head to one side and said in a weird squeaky little voice, well, first I go out and catch me a little boy, maybe go down to a mall or shopping center and grab one there like Adam Walsh, grab him, tie him up, use a gag, put him in the trunk of my car and drive him out to my place in the swamps. There's nobody to bother me out there. And then Bob goes to ask, well, how did you kill him? Tool says all kinds of ways. Strangle some with the belt, shoot some, cut some throats. Bob says, I read where you use a barbecue sauce when you eat those kids. Is that true? Tool's like, yeah, I've got my own recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Bob says, Tell me how you cook a young boy or girl. And Tool says, well, after the fucking, then you strip them naked and hang them upside down by ankles. Slit their throat with a knife, slit the belly and take out their guts, the liver, the heart, cut off the head and let the blood drain. Sorry, I should have did a trigger warning before that one. I know, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But the interview goes on to talk about some of the human sacrifices that took place during Tool's time in the cult, which was called the Hand of Death. Mm -hmm. So Bob asks, what's a human sacrifice like? And Tool says, secret rituals. I can't really reveal it to anyone. Bob says, generally. Tell me generally. Tool goes, 
Well, you put them on the altar and cut their throat. Then make a burnt offering to the devil. Like that, generally. Yeah. Slit the throat, collect the blood in a goblet, pass it around and drink it hot. Do chance. Secret stuff. You aren't supposed to reveal it. They make you take an oath for secrecy. And Bob's like, you drink human blood from a cup? Tool says, yeah, it's in the ritual. Like, duh. <laughs> Don't you know that's what you're supposed to do? It's on the box. <laughs> Hello. And Bob's like, well, what's it taste like? Tool's like, kind of salty. Not so good. Trigger warning. I liked cooked meat. I don't mind eating the cooked parts. The balls are damned good when fried. Use a little batter and fry it. It's a real treat. Crispy like a crispy chestnut. Fresh fried balls is one of my favorites. Yeah, so I think in summary, Odyssey's confessions about like all of his cannibalism and stuff, I was just like, what the heck? Interesting. This stuff is wild and None of it's provable, so who knows if it's true or not. Everything that they both said was so wild. So yeah. You just got to take everything with a grain of salt. Sprinkle that grain on the balls. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Henry's like craziest confession is just the sheer amount of deaths that he committed. Um, his story would change from killing his just his mom to killing anywhere from 60 to 600 people, which is... That's like, like a typo that accidentally added the extra zero. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Like, he's he was incredibly inconsistent with um, what he said he did throughout the duration of the time he was ever talking to police. And then before he died of heart failure um he recanted all of his claims saying that he had in fact only ever killed his mother so after all that time talking about everything right so he he's mm. just been like living in his own reality really since the beginning um so it it goes without saying that he he was a very troubled man that just i think like to fuck with people and like to get the attention that he was getting um when police were interviewing him and people would uh like reporters would want to interview him people would write books on him authors and they would contact him and he was able to give them all of these stories and i think he just liked that Attention. Yeah, it seems like in the end of all these things, in the grand scope, it was Henry the one that was like more, quote, successful in this whole situation. You know, he got the movie based upon him. His name was in the title. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's the confession killer. You know, it's like mm -hmm. Otis was just a sidekick. And, and Otis was kind of just kind of playing from Henry's rule book right like yeah. he, he was also telling like outlandish stories and mm -hmm. um he learned how to kill people from henry so mm -hmm. he was kind of just like following his in his footsteps yeah mm -hmm. yeah even in prison when henry was confessing to all those crimes i know some authorities brought in Otis and was like was this true did this happen and Otis is like well if henry said it it is true it did happen you know, mm -hmm. but that could have been Otis not really knowing because they did so many crimes or it could be knowing because he's like, that didn't happen. I was with him, but I'm going to support my mans. <laughs> you know? Like a true, a real one. Yeah. <laughs> so while Henry also died in prison or while Henry died in prison, Otis also died in prison as well. Mm -hmm. He died in September 1996 of cirrhosis. Mm -hmm. So just about liver failure. 
Okay. Yeah, but one of the follow the ending quotes from that interview that I had read was pretty pretty finishing, I'd say. And the last question that Bob asked, he said, do you have any particularly fond memories of your days together with Henry Lucas? He's the one that made the movie they made the movie about, not you. He's famous and you're a nobody. What's your last words? Tool states, Henry is going to be executed, but I'll be alive, surrounded by cute fuckboys. I have everything I want in prison, except I miss the freedom to drive down the highway, robbing and killing people from town to town. That's excitement at its best, and I miss being able to barbecue a boy when I get the urge. I did like to barbecue. You could write it in your story that anyone who wants to write me and get a recipe for my homemade sauce, I'll send it for free. Just send a few stamps for the reply letter. That's all, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, it's true. Like, I feel like Henry and uh, Otis really came to terms and were quite okay with their fates being like in prison, like dying in prison. Like that was lived their lives. They lived their lives. They did what they did. They had their stories to tell Mm -hmm. their recipes to (laughs) proliferate. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like it's, and it kind of makes sense uh, given that they both came from similar uh, upbringings. Yeah. So many parallels between them. They both experienced like really intense abuse as Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. And so something about like, being surrounded by all these people and all this attention Mm -hmm. and maybe the consistency and stability of Mm -hmm. prison is crazy that sounds yes yeah Mm -hmm. you know what to expect in prison yeah like you know you're gonna get fed and you have somewhere to Mm -hmm. sleep Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. that's it's so interesting that they have so many similarities and they found one another and all this chaos the stars aligned the stars did align the real star-crossed lovers yeah star-crossed lovers Romeo and Juliet's not real huh that's a fictional Shakespeare let me see let me google it well they're the real ones Henry and (laughs) Otis since we're talking about mystical stuff do you have a tarot reading that you like to do for us today i sure do yeah what is it called tarot time what do we call this a taste of tarot okay taste of tarot love it i'm so mad at you i'm so mad at you it's tarot time it's time for a taste of tarot 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 everybody from the cards Okay. Yeah, guys, we're weirdos, but you're here. You like it. (laughs) Get used to it. Okay, so I'm going to do a single card pull. I'm just working with the Major Arcana in the tarot deck. Um, I'm a beginner, so bear with me. Mm -hmm. But um, the Major Arcana is basically life's journeys. Everyone goes on these journeys multiple times, multiple cycles in their life. And the major arcana, when they're numbered in order, is the whole cycle of the journey. So I'm going to shuffle the cards. Ethan's going to pick it. Um, it. This card might speak to you or it might not. Um, if it doesn't, that's okay. If it does, tune into yourself and see what message is trying to be relayed to you. Okay. I love it. And apparently Romeo and Juliet is based on uh, two real-life lovers um, from the 1300s. Romeo, portrait of a lover? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, that's the sequel that we all need. Um, apparently, they were written about in a, a poem book in the 1500s, and then um, Shakespeare like read that poem and then wrote his story. So, oh, wow. Who knew? Artistic. Yeah. All right. So just shuffle these for a little bit. Pick your poison. This one. All right. So Ethan has pulled number 18, which is the moon. The card portrays the moon looking over a landscape and there's um, like two dogs or maybe one's a dog and one's a wolf and they're both howling at the moon. Um, They're by this like water side and there's also a lobster coming out of the water, which I'm not sure what the lobster really, really means yet. But the moon eliminates our shadow selves and parts of us that are ruled by the subconscious. They are brought to light by our dreams and fears, often projecting insecurities onto the people and scenarios in our lives. So the more that we are aware of our unconscious, the more we're able to identify whether we're acting from irrational thoughts or our conscious minds. So you might need to go beyond the surface and dive deep to see what the real issue is in your inner self. And your intuition will guide you. Even when it doesn't really seem to make sense, um, just go with your gut. But it has to be from within. Okay. So the moon basically reflects insecurity? No, not, not insecurity, but like your inner self. And it kind of goes along into like what your moon sign is. Are you aware of mm. what that is? So, like, in astrology, everyone's like, oh, what's your sign? And they usually talk about what their sun sign is. And that's how they portray themselves to the world. But your moon sign is what you really are within. Capricorn. Oh. I'm a Pisces sun in Virgo moon. So internally, I like to have everything in control and like perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about all scenarios possible and like what it needs to be but like on the outside i portray that i'm creative and free-spirited and intuitive and emotional you know but it really all plays into just who is Lindsay. and so the moon sign pulling the moon sign you just need to look within and you know that your answers are within you but you just need to follow your gut okay Okay. Um, I googled right now Capricorn moon sign. It says, if you're a Capricorn moon, you want a steady home base and may be tradition-minded. You are determined and disciplined and you want self-mastery and carry a sense of the loner with you for that reason. And yeah, I think that does kind of actually apply um, in a way. So... I think this is a great reminder for everyone. Um, If you're not practicing mindfulness in one form of another, um, try to connect with yourself. Um, I like to do stretching at the end of the day. Um, It's great recovery for my body. And it's a really great time to go, go inward and connect with my inner self and do some deep thinking about 
the tensions that I'm experiencing in my life or where I want to go in life. Um, so I really encourage mindfulness for all listeners. Yeah. And I think this card is speaking to me too. Like these past couple weeks, I've been a little bit stressed out, a little bit scatterbrained. Um, my career, I'm trying to satisfy a bunch of other people. Um, I don't want to give people the wrong answers, you know, but I think pulling this moon card, it's making me realize that I need to do what is right from within, not try to make everybody happy. I need to make myself happy first. I love it. So. Yes. <clears throat> yes, queen. I love it. Um, so awesome. I'll be, I'll be doing that going forward. Fuck yeah, you will putting be. Putting myself that foot down put that foot down girl <laughs> yes i love it um well great this was a really great uh conversation on some true life um serial killers pieces of shit honestly uh, yeah I'm life lessons say it. um yeah. oh, <laughs> well we also you got life pieces lessons of shit and i was just thinking like a bunch of pieces about everything and i'm like life lessons <laughs> <laughs> well we did get some life lessons um Ugh. don't burn anyone don't eat anyone um um, yeah. And then stretch at if the end of the night. fall in love, fall in love. <laughs> but fall in love with yourself first. Yes. Listen to that inner voice. Um, and our next episode, it's going to be the third installment of the Serial Killer series. Uh, Lindsay and I will both bring a story to share. And then it's um, the other person's job to decide if it's a story based on a film or fictional or if it's fact. Yeah, or if it's fictional yeah. or if it's fact. Yeah. Kind that. of like a little, <laughs> not a game, but a game. If you win, you win a million dollars. Yeah. If you guess right, you're a millionaire. But not really. I mean. Just in your head. You'll be a million <laughs> brags in, richer. In podcast dollars, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the new Bitcoin yeah. podcast dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah. um, tune in next week, guys. Yeah, we'll tune be in next excited. Week. Also, we just started an Instagram. So, if you want to give us any feedback about the podcast or have suggestions about movies yeah. that you want to hear us talk about, series in general, series, mm -hmm. um, we can talk about hauntings, we can talk about killers, whatever it is, torture, cults. All that. More cannibalism. If you want more quotes about deep fried balls. Yes. I can pull them up for you. We can do more of it. So mm -hmm. um, follow us on Instagram, Planet Spook. Um, feel free to DM us and we will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.